Welcome back to another episode. Today's a good one, man. Because um, I know this dude for about, geez, what, 10, 10 years or so? We yeah, go way back. So. We go yeah. way back to when, uh, man, when I was actively, actively, well, I was active in church, man. I remember uh, our first Sabbath of Hoeing that you guys came out uh, out there. And um, yeah, and then, you know, uh, so. It's an honor and a privilege to have you in the show. So big shout out to my boy Jimmy Estrada, man. Welcome to the show, man. man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for for having having us on or having me on. I know we talked not too long ago. It oh was yeah, cool catching up. And um, so I think the first time we officially met was it was it at the Dallas Church? Yeah, it was a Dallas. It was either Dallas West or one of the presentations that you guys okay. had. Uh, you know, like what what you get into in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it was at a presentation probably probably either king or in fort worth somewhere okay so yeah. that was the first time i remember yeah. for some reason being Dallas, but it was probably okay yeah then, one thing i'll say everywhere i went because i was i was brand new to the church after being gone for a while <laughs> and everybody knew obi i'll tell you that i thought obi was just famous <laughs> where i did but i would go out to houston everybody knew obi yeah that's I true that i went out to california everybody knew obi I'm like yo obi's a man so obi was like the diddy of the church hey what's uh but you know what's <laughs> funny man like Yo, no cap, no lie, man. I kind of miss that, dude. Mm. You know, but I guess as time guys, you know, as time flies, I guess you gotta, I guess you gotta retire. You know, <laughs> I guess so, right? Got, did you change your name? No, right? You can't. No, not at all, man. You know, <laughs> I, I like, I've digressed. I'm not as popular as I used to be in a church scene world. So I need to get back in it, man, because you know, cause those are good times, man. You know, back when. You know, growing up in church, and then, you know, especially doing the South Hope, the South Hope programs, man. Like they were definitely a blessing. I really felt the Holy Spirit working, man. And I remember the very first one because we had a concert with you guys. Yeah. You know, we, it was. It, I wish I would have sold tickets because it was sold out. Like it was like full. It, it was packed. Mm. And I think for Dallas West, you know, so shout out to them because that's my home church. I think that was the first time they ever had a solid home win, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but, wow. But, I mean, to have a concert, you know, like, I had friends from, like, everywhere show up that weekend, man, which was a true blessing, man. And, you know, it it was a blessing for me in itself, you know. I mean, I definitely felt the Holy Spirit that day or, or that week. Glory to God. You know. Um, you know, and as a matter of fact, I was talking to Josh as well about it, like, not too long ago. We're like, man, like, we were... I felt like we were on top of the world, man. You know, we, you know, good spiritual life, good personal life, and then, you know, but stuff goes on in life and whatnot. But uh, again, you know, thank you for coming on, man. Um, Appreciate it, man. I know we talked earlier this week about some stuff, and man, like you, Joe, like you dropped some fire that day, man, and some knowledge on me, man. I mean, like we definitely got into some, you know, you know, you know, some subject. But today, you know, we're gonna keep it chill. You know, we're gonna keep it light, funny. You know, like reminisce about old times about you know truth. Mm. You know, your ministry that you guys had, but you know, just to you know fall back. You know, like you said, you know, like back then you were new to church. You know, give us a little quick introduction of you know Jamie Strada and you growing yeah. up, and uh, you know, so people can know who who is Jamie for those who don't know who Jimmy is. But a great question, man. I don't, I don't know if I could answer that correctly, but I'll just tell you, I'll tell you some basic facts. I was born in, in California, Southern California, L.A. area. I was born specifically in Glendale. I did elementary out there. Um, my mother had me 
uh, five days before she turned 15. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, yeah, so shout out to my mom, who I love shout dearly. Um, <laughs> she's still in the DFW area. I'm currently in Puerto Rico. From there, we moved to Puerto Rico. I did some junior high in Puerto Rico, just a year, actually, in Puerto Rico. From Puerto Rico, we moved to Texas. We knew nothing about Texas. I really thought it was just going to be like horses and like, like seriously, I didn't know anybody. Why do people no get idea. that stigma of Texas, man? It's just like horses, carriages. Yeah, because this is before social media. So okay. That's one. Um, so all you saw were like, you know, Chuck Norris. And at that time, Chuck Norris had that one <laughs> show. I forgot. What, um, Walker. Walker, Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah. yeah so okay, that's, that's what Texas is. So anyway, um, I moved to Texas. I went to Irving when I first moved there for like six months. Did school there. And then I ended up going to Arlington and did okay. high school in Arlington. Um, and I was raised in the church. As far as I remember, my mom says we were out of church maybe my first year. Okay. Um, her story itself is amazing. Um, maybe we'll touch a little bit of our journey. But yeah, definitely. Um, as far as I remember, I've always been in church. I was raised in a very um, strict, conservative Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, you know, overall, I guess being a guy, I don't have as much complaints as girls would. Yeah. Because it was so much about makeup or what I, you know, it was different for dudes. <laughs> uh, but what felt like home, home church for me after leaving California my truly home church was actually shout out to Oak Cliff Church. That's right. That's right. BG, you're from BG, but um, Oak Cliff Church is not getting <laughs> so easier. Yeah, we didn't get and, no rival going on. You know, church rivalry. Yeah. No, none of that. So I definitely enjoyed that. But um, I'll, I'll just say this, man. I think that I was told about Jesus my whole life. I just yeah. never saw him. Right. So I was raised in the church, but I can't say I was raised in a in, relationship in. with Correct. Christ. I just heard about him. And I like to side note, I think most of them who were in church and still are, they just heard of him. They, they ain't really seen him. So I left the church at a young age, um, 16, 17. I just decided to stop going to church. I was living on my own. Um, yeah, 18, 19, living on my own. And, you know, I just stopped going to church. It was more of laziness. And yeah. I really wanted to get into the music industry. And church wasn't going to really help me out in yeah. any way or form. So that's kind of my quick background of being out. And then I came back after being out for about 10 years, I decided to give my life to the Lord. Yeah. And, and I was going to say also, like, an introduction, it just hit me right now. You know, composer, executive producer. I mean, mm. like, because I want to touch that also, you know, because being that you were, you know, how you said that you left church, you know, like, and I know you're really big into music, mm. you know. And I want to touch the fact that, you know, like, and I, I think I remember vaguely in these truth presentations, you know, how, how you touch that, uh, you know, lifestyle back, you know, being out in the circular world, you know, com yeah. composing, producing music, you know. So, you know, give us a little glance of how, you know, for those who don't know, like, like, how was it or, like, you know, how is it in that world in the circular music being that you were out? That. That, that's a great question. I, I think from my situation may be a little different than every other person. Um, there's two points I want to make before I get into How the details. did you get started in that? You know, Perfect. Great well. question. Yeah. So one of my points that I want to make is I would say every single person that I personally met in the music industry, every mm -hmm. single one of them came from a Christian background. Okay. That's a really good point I want to make. Um, but I was, I was, my mom was really strict in the sense that you know, in, in California, she worked a lot. She had got married to who I call my dad, my stepdad. She was married to him. And um, I was not able to watch a lot of TV. Yeah. So, 
even though she wasn't home, I fear that she would pop up because that's my mom. She would just pop up in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Spanish and you mom, get right. the it's, it's not even worth it. Yeah. And the two shows I remember I was never allowed to watch was The Simpsons and Married with Children. Like, that was a no. <laughs> Those were the two shows. Like, and my mom Boy. saw that I was watching the show where it was over. But I remember that we had a piano at the house. Okay. And my uncle had taught me how to play heart and soul i think it's the name of the song it's the one that goes okay yeah he told me to play those chords that's all i knew play those four chords the basic and yeah. what i started doing is started slowing them down i started writing love songs to them i started doing just different things with those same four chords yeah and just being creative i decided to play those chords in deep different sequences anyway at a young age i knew wait i want to write songs i want to produce and I wasn't thinking about fame or money. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. That's what you want to do. So fast forward, we moved to Puerto Rico. By the way, this time I'm, about, I'm in sixth grade. We moved to Puerto Rico. I don't touch music for a whole year. But I was introduced to reggaeton for the first time, which it was barely coming out at that time. Yeah. This is before Daddy Yankee was Daddy Yankee. He was known. The but Vico C area, right? Era. Yeah, Vico C, Daddy Yankee, Playero. Okay. That time. Man, you in old school. Yeah, I mean, this is, but I'm telling you, this is like the birth of reggaeton, you yeah. know? Um, and I remember that I went to school, and in my school, it was a rough school in Puerto Rico that I went to. They assumed that because I came from L.A. that I was some thug, and I wasn't. <laughs> but that's what the school system thought. So they yeah. put me in a classroom full of, you know, rough rough dudes, and I'm yeah. not rough at all. And um, But I had to learn to fit in. So I'm not a fighter. Um, I'm, I'm not... You know, somebody who's ridiculous in sports, I'm like, yo, I'm either going to get beat up every day or I got to figure this out. So I remember that at the, in the school bus we were in, I won't get into details so I don't get nobody in trouble, <laughs> but we had tinted windows, big yellow school bus, tinted windows, Man. and reggaeton playing, right? Okay. And the guys would go to the back of the school bus and they would kind of freestyle. Okay. Now, even though my Spanish wasn't that good, I never got made fun of because, remember, a lot of people look to America as a forerunner of what cool is. You see of what course. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I didn't know Spanish. They didn't, I mean, I knew Spanish, but not like Spanish like here in PR. So they took me in in the sense that, este americano is what they called me, el americano. Mira, mira, yeah. Teaches a cool word. So anyway, I went home and I wrote down my first Spanish flow. What? And I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the back of the bus and I'm just going to spit. I'm going to do my thing, right. right? Hold on, hold on. Do you still, <laughs> do you still remember those lyrics? I do it. It's super whack, but I'll show you. Bust out, bust out, bust out. Exclusive, exclusive. I probably shouldn't say. So I think I only wrote, <laughs> wrote like four bars in Spanish because I didn't know Spanish. Okay. Right? And then the Spanish I knew were like very proper Spanish. Yeah. So these guys ain't talking proper. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I was like, yo, what do I do? So what I did is after my four bars, I didn't know what to say. I flipped it in English, but because they didn't speak English, they don't understand. Dude, I could have said A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They didn't even know what I was still. You said, hey, let me And they were hyping you up. <laughs> that was enough, and that's exactly what happened. So I went. I was scared. They're doing the beat, you know, the beat that I got thrown. I'm like, okay, go, go, go. So I get up and I walk to the back. And they're looking, what you doing here? And like, yeah, this is like my first week of school because I'm trying to like, you know, fit in. Yeah. And I went in. I think I think the rhyme went like this. What's Y'all gonna count on me later. No, no, it went something like this. It says, "Te canto lo que canto, And from that, I forgot. And it gets into some bad words, so we won't get into that. <laughs> and after that, the big thing in Puerto Rico at that time was if you could rap and like stay with the, 
you know, Daddy Yankee was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. there yeah. was a real state on that tip. So I just kind of throw myself in that. And I remember that two things I learned. Number one, I don't want to be an artist. Okay. But I definitely wanted to write for people. I wanted to produce for people. Never cared much about the spotlight. I figured, you know, I, I need my lane, you know. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't got, I didn't feel like I had the looks for it. I didn't want to be on stage. I didn't care much about the fame. So once we left, I'm a behind Rico, the scene type of person. I always wanted to do that. So I got into reggaeton just to fit in. But my day to day music that I would listen to, because my house, you could only listen to Christian music. Of course. So the day to day music I would listen to on the download was Jerry Rivera, Salsa. Oh, man. El Nino La Salsa, right? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's supposed to be in Dallas, too, by the way. Okay, okay. Shout out to Jerry Rivera. So. Um, I listened to a lot of his music. I always was into R&B, and salsa was the closest thing because salsa, the music itself, has a lot of R&B chords. Correct. I like the fact that it's in our blood. Um, and then the words romantic. So to me, it was like, hey, this is like boys to men, but in a whole different vibe. Yeah. So that's really what I want to do, songwriter. I moved to Texas. Um, I'm now in high school in Arlington. Shout out to James Bui High. Um, I'm out there, and once again, I don't know nobody. Keep in mind, my whole life, I don't know people because I'm constantly moving. Traveling, yeah, you're moving. Yeah, constantly. I mean, elementary, I think I went to four different elementary schools. Oh, wow. Junior high, I went to three different junior highs. Jeez. High school, I went to one. So I was like, yo, how can I fit in here? So I would actually skip class and go to the music hall. Really? Yeah. And I would go to the piano room. So that was like your little escape goal, right? It was. But look how messed up the system is. Look how messed up the system is. If you make good grades, you could be in band, you could be in choir, then you're allowed. However, look how messed up the system is. There's people that learn through music, and one of the reasons why their grades aren't good is because they're being taught a traditional way. Correct. So they never get the opportunity to be taught the way that they could actually shine. You feeling me? True. Anyway, shout out to my teachers out there. So (laughs) I wanted to say, yo, what can I play in the piano that I could catch? You know, I went to school, and primarily my school... You know, I'm half Mexican, I'm half Puerto Rican, but I was raised in my Puerto Rican family. Puerto Rican for ways. So a lot of my Mexican people push me to the side because they're like, you're not really Mexican. I'm like, but I'm half. They're like, nah, you're nah. talking Puerto Rican. <laughs> you're half Puerto Rican. So naturally, you know, I vibed on with the, with the blacks in my school. So, and I loved R&B. So the very first song I learned to play in the piano to catch attention was a Brian McKnight song called Anytime. Ooh, classic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I should have turned my piano on and kind of show off a little bit. Anyway, that was the first <laughs> we'll do another, thing we'll do I learned. We'll do another one. <laughs> that was the first thing I learned. And when I did that, you know, I noticed that the girls would come and the guys would come. And some of these guys who sang would sing. And it Really? Was like, yeah, they would come and they start singing a song. And I'm playing. They're like, yo, you play nice. I'm like, nah. And, you know, I'm barely learning and stuff. And Would you participate and, like any like any talent, um, any talent shows? Yet. Not yet, but eventually what I did is I started a little quote-unquote boy band in high school. What? Yeah, yeah. I started a little boy. And this is a big high school, man. This is a pretty big high yeah. school. And I started a little, you know, I hate to say boy band, but that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. Uh, it was it was like Menudo Medjodice. Medjodice. Even at clubs, man. Like, real talk. We performed in clubs in, in Arlington and stuff. Like Really? Yeah. So that was really cool. And then I moved back to L.A. to... um to study audio engineering. I wanted to know more how to work in studios. Okay. So anyway, that's, I'm giving you a quick, you know. I'm yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. It's good. I'm in LA. Um, I'm at this place called Los Angeles Recording School. Right across the street from us is Dr. Dre's studio. 
Wow, okay. Next to his studio is this guy, if you guys know Tony, Tony, Tone, Rafael Sadiq is boom right there. We have Tank Studio not too far from there. We got Jodeci Studio not from not too far from there. And my first internship was at Jodeci Studio. Really? Yeah, man. And to me, it was like, oh, this is amazing. Because you like R&B, so you, so you felt fit in. Oh, with I the feel music. like this is perfect. Yeah. Oh. And now, keep in mind, I'm not producing. I'm not writing. I'm just, yeah. you know, sweeping floors, bringing, you know, bringing Carl's Jr. I mean, internship, you're not doing that. Yeah. But to me, it was like, as long as I could be in here. There's a step but it was in. The first it was a first glimpse of the music industry, which you asked me where I realized it wasn't all roses. Um, I don't want to expose people. That's not my job here. But I realized that a lot of people, like, for example, at that time, they were a group, but they never recorded together. You know, there was I don't know why, but they didn't record together. And and the engineer was a great guy. And just like all of us, you know, he had his own struggles. And, and yeah. I realized, that, man, it's it's not all that pretty on that side. And. The exposure to drugs obviously is very heavy. Yeah. Uh, the exposure to 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 sex, the exposure to to a very dark world. Which let me let me clarify. Sex is not a dark thing; it's a beautiful gift from God. But it could be definitely very very perverted and addicting. So many things. So I, I was I got to see that side that at a very early age of my I was nineteen at that time. Maybe career. If, if, yeah, and I would say the beginning of my career. So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit about that from there. Then I went and I was working at a recording studio. Once again, internship, mm -hmm. internship, keeping track of how many so times a song got played on the radio. They were managing people like, at the time, Mac 10. And, oh, man, there's um, oh, so many other people. I remember Tyrese, I think. There's so many people yeah. that I could name that I wasn't working with them. I was working for the label who was internship yeah. with the people. So I said, I want to do this for the rest of my life came back to texas and i started my own record label yeah i was gonna say so like you went through all of that all that transgression you know with the drugs the lifestyle the even though you're behind the scene but you still see you know what that lifestyle is then you when did you decide to come back to church or to turn your life around again and what <laughs> so caused that to happen so um, being in that field, uh, obviously, I was exposed to a lot of things. Now, I wasn't new to it. Um, unfortunately, when I was born, um, my biological father, you know, he was he was involved in, in, in some substance. So I always saw the dark side of substance. I knew I knew what that substance took us. So growing up, I was never tempted to do any types of drugs only because I had seen the dark side of it. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I hung out with friends who smoked weed, who did drugs. And to me, it was like... I was always, and this is a really important point. I was always that kid who stood out. I was an Americano in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I was a guy in school who didn't do drugs. I was, you know, so I was stood I out. So I was okay. I was okay being different. Like I didn't mind being different because ultimately, even though people made fun of me, it was all it was all good. We, yeah. We, we all kicked it. You know. I think we live in a different society where sometimes peer pressure forces us to do things. But back then, it was like, okay, do you? It's all good. Yeah. So. I'm back in Texas. I started a record label. I have an artist who we're trying to make go big. Um, he's struggling with some things where we're about to go to a show. Now, this is an important point. During that time, I'm not a singer at all, but I would sing in the studio the song, and then I would give it to people. Oh, I needed somebody who could sing the song so then I could shop that song around. Okay. So instead of just shopping a beat, I wanted to shop like a demo. the song, lyrics, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, Because that way, if someone like Usher heard it, he'd be like, oh, this is a dope song. So I reached out to my boy Carlos. Shout out to Carlos. Carlos. Also known as Reyes. I talked to him this week. Um, Shout I out to Reyes, man. Yeah, man. Because when I was in church, 
We used to go to NVR camp. Yeah. Your name is Valley, Austin, Texas, baby. I would play the piano while the guys were playing basketball. I don't remember that. Yeah, and Carlos would sing, and guess who would show up? The girls. Who doesn't like the girls, right? Who doesn't like, (laughs) who doesn't love Carlitos, man? Come on. Yeah, so it was cool. So that it was it was a cool vibe. But Carlos, went, you know, anyway. So I reached out to Carlos. This is years later. I'm like, Yo, see, can you come to the studio? And the first thing he tells me, I don't want to be an artist. I'm like, No, no, bro. I just need someone to sing the songs. Yeah, that's it. So he had already recorded, I think, like three, four, five songs. Yeah, I had a demo ready. We have a show with my boy. I won't say his name, but my boy, who was also from the same hood Carlos is from. Yeah, originally from Jersey, but he lived out there. Um, and he was a rapper and a singer, one of the most talented guys I know, even to this day. This amazing! Day. Oh, he's amazing, bro. And he has warrants. He gets pulled over. He's locked up. No, the show is still ready to go. Carlos is with me, with his pretty self, and I'm like, of course. I was like, "Yo, see." He's like, "What?" He can hear you know. <laughs> it's like, coming. It's coming. He's just do this show. I got the CD here, man. So you could sing with the CD and everything. Just just do these songs. He's like, no, no, no. At an event at NVR. No, no. NVR was back in the day. This okay, okay. Is, this I, is this is now I'm out of fast church. Fast forwarding. I'm out of church. This is now I'm maybe 1920. Okay. I got my record label. This is out of church. Yeah, yeah. Okay, NVR. okay. I was like, wait a minute. NVR, like... was, NVR was like ninth grade. So, <laughs> sorry for the confusion. I was okay. telling you, me and Carlos, we've known each other since back then. Yeah. Right? And um here it is that we're hanging out. We're hanging out in the world. We go to the clubs together. Yeah. He knows I'm doing the music scene. He would just tag along because he was cool. You know, he's my homie. You know, yeah, best, yeah, he's friend. So we always hung out. And V was with us. And, you know, V, we're all kicking it. Yeah. But for this show, um, this individual, I'm only not saying his name because I haven't asked permission. Yeah. He does. He can't make it because he gets arrested. So that's how Carlos, dude, I know I told you I just need you to sing songs, but can you just do the show? And it's a show in Dallas. This is in Deep Ellen, by the way. Okay. And um, we show up, and right before we get up, he's like, dude, what, what's my name? I can't go up there. It's Carlos Reyes. So he's like, what about Jay? What about C. Reyes? Or what about... Th-? We're coming up with different things. I'm like, oh. And I think... I could be wrong. I don't want to give myself the credit, but it was either V or I. One of us was like, why not just Reyes? Oh, and man. I think Carlos was like, how about Reyes? You know, he got that swag. With a Z, Reyes. yeah. And we're like, yo, let's do it, right? We came up with so many names. What about Kings? All these different things. Yeah. So he gets off. He does a show, man. He kills it, man. Really? He, he gets off. He's like, I don't want to be an artist. And we're like, too late. <laughs> it's too late now. But here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. I want to make a good point. In six months, in six months, we were able to get a record deal. Before YouTube was doing this thing, before yeah. Instagram, before all of that. And I always say this, man, the same way that God opens doors, man, the enemy opens doors. Of course. The thing is this, a lot of times the enemy's door looks a lot more appealing. Yeah. And it's hard to see. He doesn't open the door with a whole bunch of like evil stuff. He opens it and I'm like, yo. He dresses it up nice. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how Carlos ends up getting a record deal in six months, bro, from, hey, I don't want to be in music. And all of a sudden, yeah. we had a demo that was supposed to go to Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's dad. Oh, really? It was supposed to go to him. He ends up canceling uh, the studio session. And then the group from Dallas, um, it playing up. skills, yeah. they show up to the studio and they hear it. And then the rest is, is as you, I you mean, may know. I, I do want to give a shout out to, you know, to 
Car- well, Ray is because there's there's one Ray song is. I'm not gonna say it, but it helped me a lot. Grow, you know, you know, back in my days, you know, when I you know when I would dedicate it to you know to the ladies. So I think the song was called "So Obi," right? Something like that? <laughs> so Obi? Yeah, something like yeah. yeah. You know, people could get it, but yeah, no, I'm telling you, man. Like, like you know, like when I first heard that song, and and when I first, and I think I was talking to you, I was like, "Is that?" And you're like, "Yeah." I'm like. And he's SDA, and you're like, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, and it's crazy because at the time we weren't we weren't SDA, and, and maybe like, one day you need you yeah, need to get Carl's in here. But I remember Carl's hits me up, um, and it's funny. Check this out. Look how small the world is. It's actually a sample from Jodeci. Really? Yeah, it's a sample from Jodeci, and and um, playing skills who you know they're still doing their thing. So yeah, shout mad out to prop, them. Mad props to them. You know, we've all gone through different lives and different things. Everything happens for a reason. But um. Um, I remember that Carlos comes to the house and um, we write the second verse to the song. And you got to keep in mind that for us, we're like, yo, is this really happening? Yeah. And Carlos is the artist. So next thing we know, the song's on the radio. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, to me, it's like, it's Carlos on the radio. He's doing his thing. And, you know, I feel like, well, you know, I kind of helped write the second verse. So now I'm feeling like, yo, who, as a songwriter and producer, it's almost like, that's all you want in your whole life is yeah. to hear something, even if you just kind of, you know, touched it a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, be part of but, it. But, yeah, you know, and Carlos role playing skills and all them did their thing. But it's one of those things like, yo, but, um, yeah, so he gets into the industry. And maybe one day, I don't want to share his story, but one day you got to reach out to him. And, yeah, definitely, man. But it was, it was definitely a journey. And um, I remember the day I decided to get out. So is that okay if I kind of dress that? Of course, let's go, man. I mean, there's um, ozone. Everything counts, man. Like everything cool, counts. So you know, we're gonna get fast raw. Forward, we've done shows. Yeah. We, you know, I've, I've seen Carlos do his thing. He's he's touring in the U.S. Um, going to New York. I think he even is writing songs for writing songs for like Frank and Jay. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know. But um, there was a time in our life when me and Carlos had to kind of go our own way. Okay. Uh, just because just because the way that things were going, it, it was going to be better off that way. And um, we would t- we would kind of talk through V. V was okay. kind of like, yo, how's he doing? Because right. remember, Carl's my best friend. Like, yeah. we, man, we got stories we could tell you, man. And um, so when Carl's would be in town, we would, you know, kind of hang out a Meet little up, bit. But, yeah. not much. but I was still doing the producing thing. And um, I'm producing. I'm going to L.A. back and forth. So I get this deal with Sony. And it was for this artist that we're bringing on. And um, before, oh, I got to tell you this, before that happens. So keep in mind, I haven't talked to, to, to Carlos, Carlos in a minute. A while. And um, I know he's good. He knows I'm good. All oh, that's gravy. So what happens is I get a call from this guy in Houston. I'm, I'm avoiding names on purpose because I, I didn't get permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get a call from a guy in Houston, which, by the way, amazing producer. He's done stuff for like Frank and Jay. Okay. A lot of Houston guys. Paul Wall. He worked with Manny Fresh. Like this guy... He, he he's known in the south yeah yeah so he's a spanish dude and he's like yo homie um i hear you right why don't you come out here to houston for a little bit let's do something i'm like yeah yeah so me and my other boy we go to houston this is a funny story we go to houston and he's a young guy bro he's maybe 16 years old we're in his house nice house 16 years studio. old yeah but he's already doing this full time okay and um he he's like He's like, yo, his dad had walked in. Hey, how y'all doing? Oh, nice, cool. And his dad walks his life for a second. Well, he's like, yeah, y'all want to smoke? And I was like, nah, I don't smoke, man. And then my boy's like, shoot, yeah, give me something. And I'm like, hold on, isn't your pops here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, but he, I mean, keep in mind, this kid's making music full time. Yeah. 
He's like, yeah, you're good, whatever. Don't worry about it. We're like, all right, whatever. So then his dad walks back in before the smoking going on. His dad walks back in, and this is a Friday. His dad's like, hey, son, I'm going to go to church. I'll see y'all later. He's like, all right, and he leaves. And I'm thinking, church? church? Yeah. On a Friday afternoon. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, your dad go to church on Friday. Why? And he says, oh, my dad, my dad believes that it's the Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Of course. So I'm like, y'all seven day in Venice? He's like, what's that? <laughs> he had never heard of it. Really? Like, wait a minute. Wait, do y'all eat pork? That's my next question. Of course. Right? That's, that's, that's yeah, all SDA's question. Yeah, that's a question, right? You eat pork? <laughs> yeah, we'll do everything. We, no, we'll do everything. Man. I want to eat pork. Do you eat pork? He's like, yeah, why? So I'm like, wait, how does your dad talk to me about the Sabbath thing? Well, his dad was Pentecostal. And his dad had been studying the Bible and history, and he came to the conclusion the seventh day of the Bible was actually the Sabbath, the Sabbath that we yeah. call Saturday from sundown to sundown. So his dad had told his congregation that they were going to start worshiping now on Sabbath. Oh, wow. He lost he lost a portion of his congregation. Another portion stood there, and the church started going, started growing. So there were a Sabbath keeping Pentecostal church out in Houston. Wow, nice. Yeah, at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit tugging at me. Really? Because he's like, "Yo, people, people know what's up." I ignore him, hanging out, and then I ask him, yo, homie, who are we writing this song for? He's like, oh, we're writing this song for an R&B cat. He's new to the game. His name is Reyes. A whole 360. Like, what? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yo, this is wild, <laughs> right? And my boy who's with me writing, yeah. he's the guy who got arrested who couldn't do the show, so he knows Reyes. Like, of course. Like, yeah, we noticed, right? Yeah. So we're like, yeah. We know him, and it was just, you know, small world. I hit up Carlos, yo, we're in the studio writing a song for you. And, you know, nothing ever happened with that song, but it was just a small world. The music industry is a small, small world. And um, long story short, I get this deal with with, with this artist for Sony, and I was going to make in a month, bro, more money than I was making in a year. So Now, I'm still working full-time, yeah. but I'm also doing music. But I was going to ask you, like, on the on the financial side, like, like you as a producer and working for – a record label how does that work like is there like a some amount of money like okay for me to write a song for you this is how much i charge or this is how much the record label charges so so the games change a lot but back then and, and very similar to now before you can even expect or exceed anything you have to kind of pay your dues okay so a lot of times let's pretend i'm not going to use a real artist name so yeah. it's not respectful but let's pretend artist a he's famous he's huge I make a song, he likes it. Okay. What he would typically do is because where you make money is in songwriting and producing. Okay. And touring and touring. But as a producer, you don't tour. So what the artist would do is say, Okay, I make money touring, but I want to make some of this C D money. Because they don't make that much in CDs. Yeah, they make yes. So he would say, Hey Jimmy, I like your song, I like the lyrics, but we're gonna put written by artist A and Jimmy and OB. So Jimmy Noble, you'll get your credit, you'll get paid. You get your royalty. You're gonna share, you're gonna share that my royalty with me, even though I didn't write it. Yeah. Now I could be like, nah, that's not cool. He's like, dude, but that's the only way I could actually get my name stamped. Because now I could be like, yo, I wrote for A, I wrote for artist B, I oh, wrote wow. for artist C. Okay. And now the game flips, and if I'm Dr. Dre, and you're like, yo, make me a song. Back then I could be like, yeah, give me a hundred grand, I'll make you a song. Because now I paid my dues. You see me? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So. Back then, when artists like Dre and Pharrell and all these people, there was times you know you could you could make a track for a hundred thousand and stuff. I think those days have changed now significantly. Yeah. But back then, it was it, that's how artists and producers artists 
not so much, but producers and songwriters, you get paid a typically a cents, you know, fifty cents, twenty five cents, thirty five cents when the album goes out, depending on how many songs you wrote. Wow. You know what I mean? Cents. Wow. Yeah. So so you know, let, let's let's do some some real quick math. Let's pretend Jimmy's only get fifty cents because I wrote one song on the okay. album, right? So if the artist goes platinum, you know, Jimmy just made half a million dollars. Okay. 50 cents times, you know, so it's not a bad deal. Yeah, but you got to take out taxes and all that stuff out there. So how how much you come out with then? Like, you know. I mean, it, let's just say you come out. But even then, let's just say I come out with 250, 300,000. Look at it this way, bro. It's a gift that God's giving you. It's true, not something. Writing. It's not like I got money. I got to put money into it. True. Now, yeah, you know, you got a studio time and all that. But that's yeah. where the record level comes. Now, everything I told you, this is back in the day. Nowadays, change, the world has changed so much. The truth of the matter is, you don't need record labels. Yeah, you know, now you could, you and I could go out there and and make a song. People listen to it so much on YouTube, you get paid. There's some the, the world has changed, but back then that's how you got paid. Yeah, and then someone like Carlos, as an artist, he would write songs so he could get paid that way. But t- it's torn. You get really. He good would also perform, that. and he so he got paid yeah. doing that, and he got paid writing. Yeah, because artists writing. typically. Artists, artists are usually making money on their tours. Okay. This is why they killed it because they almost keep almost 100% on their tour money. They you don't share that with the record label. Typically, you share that with your your people who are performing, your musicians. But the artist is the one you know really making money on okay. the tours. So, yeah. so you mentioned that you know uh, whenever you ran into your buddy that was writing for Reyes, like that's when you felt the Holy Spirit tugging on you. I only felt the Holy Spirit tugging at me because the fact that his dad was going to church, the fact that his dad had just woken up in the sense that he he found out about the true worship of Sabbath. And here was a guy who knew about it and kind of just bounced and and was living a very selfish life. Yeah. And to me, it was almost like the Holy Spirit telling me, yo, in the last days, people are going to wake up because the Holy Spirit is not limited to a denomination. Holy Spirit is reaching the world. Yeah. So that with that being said, you know, like I'm sure, you know, some stuff happened and you left that life, you know, like you gave I did leave the life. That's when I got that, that offer with Sony. I was about to go to Florida. Um, I got home. I tell my wife who at the time is pregnant, seven months pregnant. Yeah, shout out to my wife, Aaliyah. When I got married with my wife, um, I was raised in a Christian home. She wasn't. Okay. So this is significant because here it is that I get to to the house and I'm like, hey, babe, you know, I just got this deal. We're about to make some money where, you know, I'm, I'm about to produce four songs and get paid more than I would get paid in a salary yeah. work for, for corporate America. I'm super happy. And um, during this time, I had already written for people and all that, but it's all politics. Yeah. And when I told her, yo, I, I don't know why I said this. I think it's a Latino in us, especially in Spanish. We always say, Dios te bendiga. Whatever. So I tell her in English, I'm like, yo, babe, you know, God's going to bless us. I don't know why I would have said God's going to bless us. It just came out. It just came out like that, like nonchalant. You didn't even think about it. It's just. Not at all, bro. Me and my wife never prayed together. We never read a Bible together. We had been married three years. That was, if anything, we might have gone to church like on Mother's Day Sabbath with my mom. Yeah. Like that was was the extent of it. That was it. And do potluck because they throw down a church and that's it. They do. (laughs) <laughs> so whenever I told her God's going to bless us, bro, this true story, man, I literally heard a voice, man. She didn't hear it, but I literally heard a voice said, say, what are you going to do for God? Ooh. And when I heard that, something happened to me that day. And I, and I have a, 
years later I figured out why it happened I literally began to it's kind of hard to explain but I felt like God began to reveal all my sins like I was just seeing just flashing all in front of you flashing in front of me and I began to confess them out loud wow and I'm crying and my wife's looking at me like what is going and this is in front on? of Aaliyah and for, yeah she's in the kitchen I'm in the kitchen because I stay in the kitchen hey um, shout out <laughs> So yeah, shout out to the fridge. <laughs> she, uh, she's pregnant. Seven months pregnant. I look like I'm pregnant. Um, so cucumber, I'm, I'm confessing my sense, man. I'm literally confessing my sense, and I'm crying. And she's like, "What in the world?" And I'm like, "Babe, but we." And I begin. I begin to say, you know, this, 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 that. Now, I want to make a pause here because right before that, my mother would always call me on Friday nights to invite me to church. Okay. Sabbath. Okay. Saturday. And I would always tell her maybe. Because if I said yes, I'd be lying. If I said no, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, yeah. and I didn't want her to be Puerto Rican on me. Yeah. And it got to the point that I kind of wanted to prove that my mom was just being annoying with her faith. So I began to research, seriously, began to research the Seventh-day Adventist doctrines. Okay. Because if I could prove that they crazy, I could be like, Ma, leave me alone. I don't well, want to go. I, yeah, as I began to research, I began to see things that I didn't even know were wow. So I closed the Bible and I put it away because I wasn't ready for that. Okay. So instead of proving her wrong, I began to see things that I was like, what? I just put it away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, 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 that battle was going in that struggle. So much was that struggle that you, you remember that black album from Jay-Z? Yeah. Okay, he had dropped the Black Album a cappella style. Okay, yeah. And for a producer, that's amazing because now you could actually make a beat to his words. To Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so me and my boy Miguel, shout out to Miguel. He's still doing music, Miggy. Um, he was raised in church, so was I. Two different denominations, but we're both raised in church. And if Miggy hears this, I think he'll remember the story. We were in the studio, and we got a song, we got a, a sample from Queen. The show must go on. I love that and song. We, I okay, love we, that song. Freddie, go. Freddie Mercury goes off on that song, man. So we got the sample of that. We got Jay Z's lyrics um, on, on our system. We use at the time Cubase. We got the sample, and we're making a beat over this. Oh man! But then all of us, bro, hands down, we thought it was the greatest thing ever. Hands down, bro, it was. But all of a sudden, we, we're, we're not spiritual. This is before my 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 kitchen thingamajigga. <laughs> yeah, this is like look, a metal down in the kitchen. Yeah. It's a week before. My wife's not even in the house. It's my boy, me and me, my boy, Miggy and me in the studio. All of a sudden, I felt this weird spirit in the room. Here's the crazy part. My boy hits the space, bar, the space bar to stop the music. He's like, dude, something ain't right. He literally gets up and he leaves. Just like that. Just in the like middle that. of the session of, 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 in the middle of, the session, of composing on, it. And here's the, here's the worst part, bro. When he leaves, I go to the kitchen and I grab a knife. Now, you by yourself. You, yeah, by myself. Okay. I wouldn't tell you the story if it was just me. But because he was there, I know that you I was. You can assess it, yeah. Now, looking back, what it was is that the enemy knew. This is a shout out for anyone. The enemy knew that God was about to approach me. Ooh. So he was That's making fire. his first move. Yeah. He was making his first move. Right? Okay. And the beauty of God is he allows the enemy to make his move. Definitely. Because God doesn't want us to serve him because your mom, dad, or your pastor told you. He wants it to be fair game. Yeah. Fair game. Hence, a week later, kitchen, he, he, he basically approaches me. And as I begin to confess my sins, he broke I, you felt, down. 
I felt like the dirtiest, but at the same time, bro, I had never felt a love like that. It was weird. Now, I don't want to get all preachy, but years later, not years later, about a year later, I read a Bible verse where Jesus says, I'm going to send you the, the Holy Spirit because he's going to be your counselor. Yeah. A counselor calls you out on things, right? Of course. But then he says he's going to be your comforter. Of course. And I realized what was happening to me was that my counselor, who was calling me out, was also hugging me as a comforter. comforter yeah. And that's the reason why the emotions came in. That's the reason I was like, I'm lost, but I'm saved. It was weird. I grabbed the bag. I started throwing away all my music. I'll be honest, man. I had porn there, too. I started throwing all my porn away. Like, my wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, just... She didn't know about the porn part. But I'm throwing all that away. Exclusive, <laughs> I'm exclusive. Throwing, <laughs> I'm throwing everything away, man. I'm throwing it all away. Yeah. Everything away. Here's the crazy part. That week, bro. I, oh, and I, I text message everybody. I'm working with some guys who had worked with like Usher and all these people. And I said, guys, I'm out. And I'm like, what's going on? And I said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. So, the guy, go ahead, go ahead. I'm, so, going, I'm sorry. So, so, so whenever you made that decision to like cut everybody out, you know, from that lifestyle, was it like a big weight just lifted off your shoulder? Dude, like it a was a huge sign this, of relief. To this day, to this day, it was the best spiritual week of my life. Okay, what about personal though? Uh, and, spiritual bro, and, and personal are two different things, you know. Yeah, but they you know but they intertwine. They but, intertwine. But let me, yeah, they intertwine. But let me tell you something. I truly believe we've been living such a personal life. Yeah. This is the reason why we're not happy. Yeah, you forget about the spiritual life. Because because I believe that we're supposed to be intermingled at all times. Of course, of course, definitely. Right? I agree, agree. The new age understands that. And because we live, we act like if spirituality is supposed to be. Here's a perfect example. You know, I'm trying to get healthier and it's hard, man. Oh, but tell me about it. We, we separate being healthy only on physical. When in reality, the word health in the Bible, holistic means everything. My mind, my so, skin. Yeah. My spiritual life, my relationship with my mom, everything. everything. So, yeah, I mean, I felt personally, spiritually, it was like a high that week. Um, it was confusing for my wife. Yeah, because she's new to, to this being, not being raised yeah. in the church and not knowing. She's like, what this. are you talking about? And everybody in the industry that I hit up, every single person, when I said, dude, I'm going to serve the Lord, every single one of them was like, mad props, bro, like, do it. Well, so now, they were the supportive. Oh, without a doubt, except for one individual, but everyone else was supportive. Yeah, no and the guy from Florida, <laughs> the guy from Florida was like, look, man, I'm actually a pastor's kid. I completely understand. I completely understand. Wow. So I hit everybody up, including my boy V, okay. who at the time was in Nebraska. I hit up Carlos Reyes, like, dude, I love you, but I'm out, man. I'm not doing this no more. That Saturday night, a week later, or maybe within that week, that Saturday night, I believe it was like 11 o'clock at night. It was late. Yeah. I get a knock on my door. I open the door. And it's Reyes. You know, he had just finished doing a show. Okay. He's there. And he says, dude, I can't do this no more. I I'm want done. out. Yeah. And um, he was crying. I was crying. V was like, y'all punks, man. We're trying to make this money. <laughs> Shout out to the bottom, man. I did that there. <laughs> Shout out to V, yeah, man. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In one week, in one week, I all this happened in one week. Carlos left the game, and V was a little delayed. But within that week to the next week, he left the game, and it was all because we had something super natural happen to us. Yeah. Something was just tugging at us, and um, we left the game. There's a lot more to say there. But yeah, yeah, we yeah. left. We left the game, and we leave the game. We're all hanging out together. 
Carlos has no idea how that's going to affect with, with legal stuff. V is, you know, he's back in Texas. He's, he moved back to Texas. Um, I'm in Texas already. And we go do a special music. Um, no, we don't do special music. I'm lying to you. We go see a concert at Forest Toast Spanish. Okay. I'm there. Carlos is there. His brother, Pablo. Pablo, Pablo. Petey, yeah. He's there. And Oscar Mendez, who I had never met up to that point. Shout out to Oscar. I know Oscar. I talked to him this morning. Yeah. Um, he shows up to the church. He he says, like, when he, this is Oscar's story. He says when he shows up to the church, he sees Pablo there and he sees Carlos there. He knows them from, you know, back in the day. Back in the day. But he's like, Carlos? Because he knows that Carlos is Reyes as well. Yeah. <laughs> and when he sees them in church, he realizes, man, if Carlos is in church, why am I considering leaving the church? Rip. It was almost like he said that that really hit him, right? Wow. That really woke him up because he was going through a journey himself. Yeah. And that day I meet Oscar, we hang out, and immediately we, you know, we hit it off just like you and I, Obi, we hit it off. And I told him my story, yeah, I'm out, man. I'm like, I'm not doing this no more. And Carl's like, Yeah, I'm out. And then he says, This is all Oscar. What are y'all gonna do? I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna chill and hang out. I yeah. go to church. And he's like, nah, man, you guys gotta go tell the you guys gotta go tell people. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a good testimony. Like, yeah, you gotta show your testimony. And Carl's like, dude, I'm he goes, Look, Carlos, you can still sing. You can still sing, and, and I'm like, bro, and Carl's like, I'm not singing no more, bro. I'm out out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, I'm not doing music no more. I'm out out. Yeah. And and that same week of us talking, he's like, why don't you start a ministry? And I told him, dude, if I start a ministry, people are ready for it. He's like, why? I said, because if I start it, man, I want to speak nothing but the truth. Yeah. And then he says, that's the name of your ministry, truth. Yeah. because that's, that's how that formed. Oh, wow. So Oscar was the one that like lit the fire in you guys to come up with truth. Yeah. And then come it- up with truth. And then I'm like, yeah. And then we kind of prayed about it. And that's when we're like, if we're going to do it, it needs to have an acronym. It needs to mean something. And then we were all coming up with ideas. And then my ghetto self was like, to render un- unconditionally to, to yourself. Him. No, at first, first, no, first I was like, I'm lying to you. At first I was like, to render yourself to him is what I said, right? <laughs> and my wife's like, hey, that is not cool. My wife's like, you know, gentlemen, it's not it's good like, Don't embarrass me like that. She's like, no, no, it's got to be to render unconditionally to him. Yeah. We came out with truth, and it was originally, it was Pablo, Carlos, V, myself, Oscar. Oscar, too. Oscar is an original member. And one day during practice, Pablo brings a guy named, as we all know, Joshua. Yeah. Shout out to Joshua Terrence. Josh. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I feel so bad because Josh was so mature and so organized and so about church life and we were not bro we were so rough and shout out to josh because he still loved us man regardless he still loved us and um we before josh came into the picture our first um get together if you will okay um i hope i can say this you can edit if we can't it was at nvr okay i believe they had invited us because they wanted us they had heard hey these guys are back in church yeah can you talk to the youth now at the time i was bald you might see the pictures on facebook i think you had a fade or something i think i was was there that weekend yeah it it was like because karen was there too i didn't have no church clothes at all yeah so i had like jeans with timberlands and i had a t-shirt and oscar had gave me his his like sockle okay yeah right and we Oscar's a big guy too so (laughs) (laughs) so fit you know so (laughs) we went on stage um, with Josue Murillo, I think, or one of them, I don't know, we're all on stage doing an interview. 
was it Jesus Love Jeans, I think it was called. It was exactly Jesus Love Jeans. It was a Turcio, Pagan, and Pito. Pito Guman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Actually, I think we have a group picture together. Yeah, we do. I think we have a good picture together. It was me and you. That picture with me and my jeans and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that Damn, was our first, first event. If you remember, Oscar was there. That's Oscar. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta go back and look at the pictures. Yeah, you gotta go back and look at the picture. But yeah, Oscar was in the 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 event, and that was our first time actually being together as if you would call a ministry. Okay. Um, and yeah, man. So. Yeah, that. Go ahead. No, that was gonna say that. That's really it on how the ministry came to be. So, so that happened. Then you guys, I mean, people start picking up on you guys. People start inviting you to places to go, uh, and share your testimony. Yeah, man. We ended up going to like, you name it. We went to L.A. I think that was one of our first big thing. We went to Josh yeah. went with us to that one. Yeah, yeah that's when Birdo came, Birdo into came the along. Picture. Yeah, Birdo <laughs> came the Birdo. Picture. Um, and Berto ended up being, um, Oscar wasn't in the ministry as much anymore. He was yeah. busy with, you know, he's a police officer yeah. working all that was kind of tough for him. So it was primarily me, um, me, Paolo, Carlos V and Berto. Berto. Yeah. Berto. And Josh would come once in a while, but he was further than we were yeah. well, in Dallas for him, you know? So it was just us really. And we started going everywhere, man. We went to LA, North Carolina, South yeah. Carolina. We went to Mississippi. We had gone to Atlanta, LA. And here's the thing, man. I'm not I'm not knocking no ministries out there. There was a time we were busy weekend after weekend after weekend because we were so passionate about this that we felt like we wanted to tell people about our story. Yeah. Not because it was us, but we wanted to tell people about our story. We had um, music that we were doing that was original. We were just, I think it was just us being genuine and being on fire yeah. that really sparked all this for us. And, and it's, it's funny of- that you say about the album because I'm literally looking, look, I'll even show you, like the, this is what I've been looking at. Let me see. Mm. On uh on Apple Music, and it's like that's all I've been listening to. You know, I haven't bought the album yet. I'm still trying to buy the album, but dude, like me personally, I can, I can, I can tell you, like, like listening, you know, to you guys' testimony, and you know, just hearing your story. I mean, I it was impactful for me, you know, especially mm-hmm. you said your songs. And in particular, two of them, and it is Libre, Por Ti, and Aquí Estoy. I remember vividly, uh, before we get on this call. Shout out to Paulo. Those those are really the songs that he he wrote me. Paulo, he's a beast writing. Yeah. So I remember vividly, before we had this conversation, I was listening, you know, to to those two tracks. And I remember driving on 80, like, on Saturday nights, you know, like back in my day when I was, you know, doing my my non-SDA things, like, I remember, like, crying and tearing up to those songs because those lyrics hit home, you know, just just lyrically. It was like, man, like, it came to a point, it's like, what am I doing? You know, I'm at this age, and it's like, you know, what am I doing? And, like, before we got on this phone call, I was listening, I'm like, man, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm 38, you know, and, like, these songs are 22 years old, and they still, and they're still... Like they still impact me to this day, wow. You know, so definitely, you, you know, like like hearing 
you guys' stories. And I would go and follow you guys, you know, like wherever church you would go, you know, like you guys were at. I would drive just to go see you guys, you know, because you guys are my cool. And I remember because you guys even came to the house to have potluck with us yeah, whenever yeah, you guys yeah. had love and I, that event at, at Dallas West. So I was like, man, like, you know, like, I want to be, a, I want to get this vibe. I want to catch these vibes, you know, like this positive attitude. And I mean, it was and great. We, we didn't know we were making that impact, Obi. I'll be honest with you. You shared that with me recently. We had no idea we were making that impact. And there was times that we didn't want to do what we were doing, but it was almost as, it was almost as calling. And we felt like, yeah. We were, we were being it was like perfect we really, timing oh. mm. it was perfect timing at least for me like in that i want to say in that era because it was 10 years ago you know like i was in my early 30s you know quote unquote in my prime so i was like man and then you know like listening to these stories and you know like these two particular songs you know it's like dude and then you know like i said before we get on this phone call i'm over here like reminiscing like i remember vividly like driving in my car on a saturday night after doing whatever and then just you know because it's dark coming to forney and it's just like i put those songs on and and i even jokingly told you about it hey do you still got any cds left because i can't i had a cd i can't find a cd man i got them i'm gonna send it to you don't worry about that and you know we also got some english songs we recorded two english songs okay um all for you which you go to find you can find yeah. apple music and i forgot we did other english songs but yeah. there was that those are the two for for the thing in Puerto Rico, we actually did a music video. It was our only music video really? we ever did. Okay, that I didn't know about. And it was all recorded in Puerto Rico, um, and it was right after Hurricane Maria. Yeah, okay, so okay, that, that one. one. Okay, yeah. yeah okay. Only, um, and then I think that was our last project that we did as a ministry. Just yeah. you know, we got old, man. We're not cool no more. <laughs> so I wanted to touch the subject because I know we touched it on a previous conversation about uh, how the music industry has changed and how we've become like disconnected you know and you know being that you've been 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 in the game you know uh met all these producers songwriters artists uh like moving forward to now has it changed a lot or has the music gotten better you know better worse or is it just like like that mumble rap stuff i mean yeah, I'll, I'll speak from two different angles. Number one, I'm going to kind of separate spirituality just for a second. Okay. I'm going to talk from the talent perspective. Um, as much as, you know, a lot of older people would say, nah, you know, back in the day, back in the day, the truth is, as far as talent goes, I believe the talent is amazing now. And I, the reason I think that is because it took Michael Jackson for there to be ushers and, and Justin Timberlake and all of that. If yeah. it weren't for Michael Jackson, we probably wouldn't have had those artists because Usher, I mean, because um, J Michael Jackson brought something that the world had never seen. Correct. Michael Jordan, same thing. If it weren't for Michael Jordan, I believe we probably wouldn't have the Kobe's and LeBron's that we have now because I think he changed the way the, the people were playing and the whole game about it, right? So when it comes to music, I believe that music um, today is actually more appealing to a point. However, with that being said, because there's so much talent, I also believe it's a very saturated world. Keep in mind, I put his spirituality aside. Correct. So I live in Puerto Rico. So whenever Bad Bunny plays and I'm listening to him or J Balvin plays and I'm, they're listening to him or whoever it is, there's not really where I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. It, it, almost, it almost sounds the same. Everywhere, yeah. it all sounds the same. And I'm only picking on that because I live here in Puerto Rico. But it's still something that catches people's attention. Correct. I mean, I don't, lis I don't listen to, to some of these artists and I know the songs. Why? Because it's that popular. Um, I believe that 
the world as a whole has become darker. Okay. I really truly believe the world has become darker. And when I when I say dark, people may be offended or bothered by what do you mean dark? You know, coming from a Christian. But even if you're not a Christian, I believe that we've become a lot more selfish than we were when I was younger in the music industry. I think right. we've always been selfish. I just think it's gotten worse. Um, as far as talent goes, I think the talent's there. However, I think we all agree that nowadays you don't need instruments to make music. Okay. And it takes away from that. I'm not a singer, but I could throw myself in a nice studio and put some auto-tune and, and come up with a decent song. Yeah. Now, some people may argue and be like, oh, well, he's not really a singer, but it's something that I have in me that I want to expose. So I think it's an artist. It's it's a beautiful thing if you if you want to you know, expose that art and share that art with other people. I think that's important. Now, on the spiritual side, I believe that today, just like I did back then, a lot of our young people back then were being eaten up by this music that was, listen to what I'm saying, it was changing their perspective about life. Okay. It was changing their character. And most importantly, it was changing their perspective on God. Because one thing we could all agree with is that a lot of people, now I'm not going to say all, but a lot of people who listen to the most popular songs these days, regardless of genre, their relationship with God is probably not where they would want it to be. Okay. Not where I want it to be, because if people are fine with the relationship with God where it's at, cool. But if we say, hey, how, oh yeah, I listen to this music, I watch these movies, and I'm entertained by all of this, cool. How's your relationship with God? If they, truly, if they truly want to be honest, I believe they'd be like, man, it's not where it needs to be. Yeah. Right? But we could also say that from a Christian, you know? Just because you go to church, don't mean all of a sudden you have a good relationship with God. But I believe that music being such a beautiful tool. You know, music, I've said this before in the, in the seminars, music is not like sports. Soccer, football, basketball, you know, UFC, MMA, all these yeah. things are, are exciting to people. But music has a supernatural connection that when Michael Jackson would perform, there were ambulances there because people would have you know seizures and pass out. But why do you think is that though? You know, being that you've been in that world. Yeah, I want to give you the most basic answer. When Michael when when Michael Jordan would dunk, you never saw a grown man start crying and shaking and passing out. Okay. When you go to soccer games and bro, I know y'all Salvadorians and Mexicans and to all my people out there. As I'm talking to Obi in the background, I'm seeing a huge, huge um flag. Spanish bull. But when it comes to that, people may fight, but no one's passing out. Yeah. So why is it that with music it is? Here's the reason why. Music wasn't created on earth. Mm. Music literally comes from a different world. Music comes from heaven. Definitely. The originator and founder of music is so check this out. When we use music in this world, we are using a supernatural tool. It's supernatural, bro. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't want your kids playing with the Ouija board. Why not? Be like, nah, bro, you're playing with the supernatural. Yeah. But supernatural could be good or it could be bad. When you pray, praying is a supernatural communication tool. Definitely. Music is a supernatural thing. I think I experienced that. Like, because I love guitars, electric guitars, but, you know, when when they hit that riff, Mm. Man, I, I just like it takes you into this trance, you know. When they just hit that, oh my! I'm like, I, like sometimes I gotta snap out of it sometimes because it's like, you know, when they do that transition into a riff or that solo, and the guitars and, and mm. electric guitars just going at it. I just I myself and I'm guilty to say this is, 
I closed my eyes and I just felt like I'm elevated. Like, man, I just, you know, and I'm like, man. Is there anything else that you could think of that does that to you? Oh, man. <laughs> Have you ever eaten something? Food, that food, takes you, you know. Take that level yeah have you ever, have you ever eaten something that makes you cry not cry but like you know but, but gets, i lean back i lean back oh yeah <laughs> like but you've this, never cried right no nah, never cried no never cried. Have, have, have you ever heard a sermon without music without music that makes you cry oh no they all had the like, yo hit the, hit them pianos right yeah the hit them ivory <laughs> keys yeah yeah bro like if i'm talking to you right now start playing the keys uh, all of a sudden you're gonna look at me different yeah right this is why R&B artists, if you've ever gone to an R&B concert, the ladies go crazy. Yeah, There's certain chords that he hits and certain runs with his voice and it just changes the environment. But listen to what I'm saying. We call it it changes the environment. The energy is different. The universe. Now, now what it is, <laughs> is that here it is. What spirits are you evoking? Yeah. That's it. As simple as that. Pretty much, yeah. And it's not necessarily if it's Christian music, it's only good music because there's secular music that I believe still have the principles of God that are beautiful. So I want to clarify that. Yeah. So, for example, if there's a song from an artist, a popular artist who writes a song, a Father Day song or a song about love between her and her husband, I think you listen to that even as a Christian and you can see the beauty of that. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, because I was going to say, because, I mean, some Christians and I remember one pastor at, at, at West. I wasn't a big fan of him, so I'm going to give him a shout out. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, didn't, I was not a fan of his pastor, but he was, you know, so when when it came to music and he was like you know he was very particular with you know the music what was being allowed to play during worship you know and a lot of these christian songs like they're repetitive you know yeah. they don't change the lyrics they're just all repetitive and then like some songs they call it christian but it's more like of a love song but they don't mention god or christ in it yeah you know so like for a while, I kind of struggle with that. Well, if I'm listening to a love song, but I'm listening, I'm listening it to on a Christian radio station. Oh, it's a Christian song. I'm like, yeah, but I don't hear the name of God or, or Jesus mentioned name in it, mentioned in it. Mm -hmm. I will say this: one of the things that I feel like God has revealed to me is that when it comes to worship, it's it's a personal matter and yeah. it's a spiritual matter between you and God. Somehow we've made it, we've made church worship be the only form of worship i believe that when we're in church there is a collective worship meaning that I, i'll be honest with you 100 i could put headphones on right now and i'll use this artist for example just just so you understand so i put my headphones on there's a song from lecrae that every time i hear it, bro i kid you not i literally feel the presence of god i've heard about it but i've never listened to his music but i, I hear it's pretty good well and, and i'm not gonna talk about all his music there's just yeah. a specific song okay. for me right However, I'm not going to bring that to the church setting. Let me tell you why. Because in our church settings, we have people with different cultures, different yeah, backgrounds, different, different ages. Yeah. So I believe that for me, the mature thing for me to do is to find a common ground that we could all agree on when it comes to collective worship. Yeah. However, we should never make it a salvational issue okay. because my individual worship, you may not be able to handle and salvation is is individually. If salvation is individual, then qu quit trying to make everything so collective and salvational. Does Man. that make sense? Ooh, don't don't. Fire. If my salvation is between me and the Lord, when Jesus comes, He's not gonna be like, "Hey, Jimmy, what did Obi?" No, it's not about Jimmy and Obi. It's Jimmy. Jimmy, what'd you Obi? do? 
It's everybody individually that God's going to come and talk to us about. And if I'm convicted, if I put my Lecrae song on and I'm convicted that this is from the devil, if I'm convicted, then yeah, I should stop listening to it. But just because you're convicted of something, Holy Spirit convicts, not human beings. Yeah. So if you've been convicted of something, you can't put that on me. You got to let the Holy Spirit do that. Now, the Bible is clear about certain things, black no, and white. Yeah. Right? Without a doubt. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Black and white. But there's certain things, Obi, that you may do on your worship time that I may disagree with. But guess what? It ain't about me. It's yeah. about you. It's about you and, and your you. own. Yeah, man. You and your creator. Man. That's fire, though. You know, because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, you know, you know, some of these songs that they play on the Christian radio, I I hear them on the circular music. I'm on the circular uh you know, radio station and, and then on the Christian side, oh, you know, thank God. This and this. I'm like, yeah, but I don't, you know, it's a love song. You know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily, you know, say invokes the name of the Holy Spirit or, or anything like that. But, but for some reason they categorize it as a gospel, but you know, I, like you said, and, and I think, I think sometimes there is a, and I'm, I can't speak for everybody, but I think sometimes there is a marketing to it like i don't shy away from telling people i'm a christian but yeah. sometimes there's something that i want to make clear here there's something of being politically correct and there's another one being tactful yeah okay tact comes from the holy spirit so you may be a christian and if you walk into a room full of non-christians and the first thing you tell them is you're a christian you may have already shut in that door to be an example i always tell people this the best way for people to know you're a Christian is don't say it, act it. Act it. Ooh, that's it. That's fire. That's fire. That's right it. There. Because if I have to walk into the barbershop and tell people, hey, I'm a Christian, so many people are turned off by Christians because we as Christians have done more harm to Damn the gospel yeah. recently than good. We've done more harm to the gospel than good. We're so busy. I told you this last time. We're so busy trying to be right, but not righteous. Yeah. So as a person who believes that the seventh day is a true Sabbath, for me to go to somebody who's worshiping on Sunday and say, you know what, you're doing it wrong. You're wrong. That may be right, but it's not righteous. Yeah. And that person may have a better relationship with God than I do. Yeah. I mean, I know, and, and, and I know we talked about this the other day, but, you know, when it comes to politics and religion, like that's a very thin line, you know. Uh, I mean, we're not going to get into details like with those last episodes, because that for me, because that conversation we had, I felt like it was for me. You know, but you know, but this one is like it, it's a fine line, you know, when it comes to politics and, and, and religion. And like you said, you know, you know, for somebody to go ahead and call out somebody, well, that's the wrong uh, day to worship. And you're right, you know, maybe that person has a better connection to God than I myself have one. You know. Well, let me tell you something. I believe usually they do because the only reason we like to call people out is to feel better about ourselves. Yeah. Because I'm gonna tell you something, man. The only people that I'm willing to die for is my wife. And my three girls, right? Those yeah. are the people that I'm willing to take a bullet without hesitation. So the Bible tells me that Jesus died for me. So Jesus has the right to call me out all day he wants because he's given his life for me. Of course. But yeah. why am I going to call you out, Obi? Am I willing to die for you? Now, as a Christian, I should be willing to die for you. But because I'm not where I need to be with Christ yet, I'm not there yet. Yeah. What I need to do is keep my mouth shut. And just do because you. You, most of the time, I only want to criticize you so I can feel better about myself. Yeah. I always tell people, this, I read a quote one time. It says, if you're going to call someone out, two things you should do. Number one, make sure that you have no log in your eye. You know, go to God and say, Lord, forgive me for me. Make sure you're not at, at guilt. Yeah. A lot of people ask for forgiveness and then call people out. The second thing was be willing to die for them. 
if you're not willing to die for the individual, shut up. Yeah. That's fine. So my question is this. Yo, yo, I'm going to go tell this person what's up. You willing to die for them? Nah, then shut up. Because if you're willing, and this is why when your mom comes talk to you, Obi, this is when your parents come talk to you, it may be like, oh, annoying, but you know for a fact, whether they're right or wrong, you know it's coming from an unselfish place. Definitely. Love. It's coming from love. And there's only very few people I would like to say that you and me and me will have that come from that. Yeah. Very few people. Most people want to just criticize and feel better, hence the condition of the church. Yeah. Well, that's what's up, man. I mean, Listen, I'm going to throw you a curveball because you had said earlier today, you know, that Aliyah, you know, whenever, you know, you guys were going through this whole, you know, transition going on. So, question is for her. Is she still around? No, bro. She actually fell asleep. Yeah, I said she did not. <laughs> Look, I know no one else is going to see, but like... Why? Because I wanted to ask her, like, you know, like, ever since that day, like, like, obviously, like, you guys had a good place. But, like, how was her transition, like, you know, being, coming out from a non-Christian world, you know, to collectively all of this where you at now, you know, like. I, I'll let of, her answer that one night in details. Yeah. But let me tell you something. When I began to throw all my garbage away, movies and music and all that, did you know that when I went to go touch her stuff, true story, bro, God said, leave it alone. True story. Her stuff. Yeah, don't touch her stuff. Really? See, this is what goes back to our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Who am I now to dictate? Well, if I can't, you can't. Wow. So one of the things that the Lord put in my heart was your walk is your walk. Her walk is her walk. Nice. So I left her stuff alone. And that next day I went to lunch with my mom and I was crying. I said, Mom, I'm going to lose my wife. She's like, why? Because I'm giving my life to Jesus. But she's not going to. Yo, it's not even fair for her. Yeah. It's not even fair for her. So I started going to church by myself. She would stay home. Okay. And I want her to share her story one day. Because yeah, it's definitely. literally. It's not even, it's coming from, she'll tell her story one day, but it's it literally a supernatural thing that started happening in the home. Really? Like, for real, for real. Like, it's just on stuff that, me, she always says this, even if today somebody proved to us that the Bible wasn't true, to go back and see the things that we saw, bro, this is crazy stuff that were happening to us. Because I had allowed so many, to be to be frank, I had allowed so and I've never even showed this at church, by the way. I had allowed so many spirits into my home that that territory did not belong to me or to her. Oh, wow. So when I gave my life to the Lord, there was literally a struggle. And Drew, I'm telling you, I've never shared this, not even in a pulpit. We literally started seeing things like light and all, straight and all. It was a crazy time. Oh, man. I all I know, for this then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I know is that I'll finish with this part, though. When I went to church one day, she's like, can I go with you? I didn't know why. I now know why. So she, on her own will, because of what was happening to in the house, in the when house. I wasn't there and I was in church. Wow. It would only happen when I was in church. So she decided to come with me and Pastor um, Cardenas, shout okay. out to Cesar Cardenas. He was preaching that week at our church and I decided, yo, I'm going to I'm gonna get baptized. And when I decided I was going to get baptized, I get in the car. She ended up going with me all week. That okay. week. Um, we get in the car and we get home and say, hey, I need to tell you something. She's like, what's up? I'm like, I'm going to get baptized. And she says, me too. What? On her and own? I, on her own. And I say, why? <laughs> I say, why? And um, long story short, we got baptized together, man. And God was just showing to me, you're faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you. Yeah. And um, her background, you got to hear her story one day. Her background is oh, completely different. Man. But um, But I, I will say this. She came just so for your next time. She was raised where, you know, 
she believed in the supernatural. Okay. She didn't believe in Jesus, but she had seen certain things growing up. So it was easier for her to be exposed to both the good and the bad as yeah. I gave my life to the Lord. But anyway, we both got baptized. So as far as my daughter, ever since she was, I think she was seven or eight months when we got baptized, we've been we've been trying to walk the right path. So one day we'll talk about. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, you know, I did all that stuff. Yeah, you know, because I wanted to get her perspective also in this, you know, like just not just make it about Jimmy. And I wanted to get her. No, without that, her. Because I also like to end the show with, I mean, I I don't know what's, um, you know, like I I just got this sense that it's like, I want to end this podcast with a prayer, you know, with you praying. Uh, But before that, I like to end this podcast like in a good vibe, you know, positive energy. Um, You know, I like my guests to, you know, um, what advice would you give to people nowadays or, you know, what's one mantra that you live by, you know, just uh, un consejo, advice, consejo, you know, that you would give out, especially like in these troubled times, man, because right now, you know, like what we're going through, it's just, mm. it's bad, you know, like it's, we'll yeah. it, it's bad and I'm pretty sure and I believe in it, it's only going to get worse, you know, I agree. So what would you, you know, say to anyone that's listening, that's going through, you know, rough times and, you know, like, what would you say to them? Man, I honestly, I want you to know that walking with Christ, it's, it's difficult. Walking without him is difficult. The only advice that I could truly give somebody short advice is this. His grace is sufficient. Amen. Regardless where you're at, regardless what you do, what you smoke, what you eat how many people you've been with, how many people you haven't, how much love, how much hate, how messed up you are. The only thing I could tell you is, whatever that may be, His grace is sufficient. Amen. That's that's it, man, regardless. And I want you to know that there's nothing that we do that surprises Him. Nothing. His love is so unconditional that the reason I keep pushing forward, I kid you not, I'll be eating for heaven. He's given me enough. I don't deserve any of this. He's given me enough that if I lost it all today, he's given me enough. So my advice would be just remember that his grace is sufficient and and seek him. And you know what? It may not be in a church. It may not be in a church, but seek him. Seek him, seek him, seek him, and surround yourself with individuals who who are like-minded and and seeking his truth and allow him to transform you. Man, that's that's some knowledge right there. So, I mean, with that being said, could you mind or please, you know, just, you know, just, because I, I don't know, I, I just feel like something's telling me to just end this with a prayer, you know? Yeah. So it could be English and Spanish. It'd be an honor. Or, you know, it's up to no, you. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It'd be an honor. Let us pray. Lord, I'm, I'm not going to come to you with any fancy words because you know our hearts. You know that for us it's difficult because we don't see you. We don't touch you the way we do the things of this world. But Lord, we know that one day real soon we'll be able to see you, we'll be able to hug you, we'll be able to thank you. Father, there's a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of hurt. Things that the world has done, things that the church has done, things that maybe Obi and I have done to others. Lord, I ask that you please forgive us and you allow us to be more like Jesus, selfless. Amen. Allow us to be Christ-like and not so much checking off the box and all the right things we do, but just lending a hand to someone who's hungry, helping out the poor, most importantly in our home, loving those that sometimes we hurt the most. Lord, just continue blessing this um, podcast. And I hope that whatever we share here today, that could be a blessing to others. 
and just thank you because you remind me constantly that your grace is sufficient. So I thank you for that. So I pray all this, Lord, you know, in the one who I truly believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.